0: there is great challenge in preaching these sermons. We never know as we prepare, what tragedies will befall us before our words are uttered. And if we have been intentional about it, the sermon could be done. And then something like yesterday happens. Our prayers are with the families and the faithful believers of the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. We mourn again for our nation and its unwillingness to be released from its obsession with guns. How do we explain to the children of that synagogue and our own children how easily one has access to 21 guns as a private citizen. I covet your prayers today. I feel myself somewhere between the painful poetry of the psalmist who says, and I feel almost like fainting to see the goodness of the good Lord in the land of the living and dying. Somewhere between that and the assertion of Stephen Hawking's in his recent book, that the human race does not have a very good track record when it comes to intelligent behavior. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. Positioning others for the promise. In our text today, our Lord Christ says, call him here. I must say this was a difficult week of the lectionary seemed for all the weeks and months I've been thinking about this, that these were all happy texts. This is why you're not hearing a sermon this morning on the book of Job. Particularly the passage that we have is the conclusion of Job where the redactor didn't like how Uh, the story ended and so he added or she added all of these things about Job getting everything back. We know that is not so. That sometimes you face tragedy and you have lost everything. You will not get that back. You might get a new opportunity, but that is gone. And how shameful of us who preach this gospel to tell people that you will get everything back? What happens to all of the people who are in similar circumstance, but remain in their maladies and tragedies? I don't like the miracle stories. Not that I'm opposed to them, but there are not enough of them. When I hear this story today about this sightless man, I'm recognizing that there were other sightless people during Jesus' time. And I wonder if it is that somehow God plays favors that some people get what they request and other people must live in their life and particularly in a culture in which maladies had been associated with something that was, uh, how could I say, uh, less fortuitous in one's humanity. Demon possession or some other thing, a sin that has gone something as the consequence. And we walk around and we see people who are differently abled and we judge them because we think that because in this moment we are perfectly able or somewhat able, that's okay. But you do know that ability is only a temporary diagnosis. I wonder, there are some people who don't get fixed, for whom the tragedies do not go away. I wish miracles were for everybody. I certainly would have wished one in Charleston. And I certainly would have wished one in Pittsburgh yesterday. We hope for such a vain hope in a world like ours. This story about this person meeting Jesus is about here and there. Jesus says, call him here, here and there. If he was not there, if he was not here, then he must be there. Here is a place where we're all hopeful and happy There is a strange land of discomfort, of brokenness and broken dreams and trauma and tragedy. Here, we have become comfortable with our routine. Life is simple, it is good. There, life is complicated, diseased, chaotic. Here, we are many we always find ourselves bumping into ourselves here, there. We assume loneliness and lostness. When Jesus commands as his followers, "Call Bartimaeus," here, he is saying, "Bartimaeus, you may come from over there." That's our problem. When we place somebody over there, that is the first step in making that one the other. Othering is the beginning of hatred and the snatching of any semblance of humanity that might exist if they are over there and over there away from us, then they are other than we how do we get them over here? A better question is, what makes us think here is so nice? <laughs> how do we find a way to build community in a world and a culture and a nation now that is very divided between here and there? According to Cam Holder, in Discovering the Other is the name of his book, there are two necessary components that we must put into place if we are ever going to position others for the promise. First, an appreciative inquiry. And then second, some asset mapping. I think both of these things are Right here in our text, Mark gives us some indication in his story, differing from Luke and Matthew. Matthew somehow suggests that there are two sightless persons here who are together begging. Luke does not give us the beggar's name. Luke seems to skip over the personhood because once the miracle happens, we get more excited about the miracle than the person. So Luke says, after he receives his sight, Luke says, and when they saw it, they were filled with praise. How many times have we turned the miraculous good fortune of others into a sensational event all by itself without any recognition of the value of the person who has now just been changed. Mark tells us that his name is Bartimaeus. But to be honest, Bartimaeus is not a name, it's a location. Bartimaeus is, and is almost in the reading of the text in our language, it is almost a repetition. His name is Bartimaeus, he is the son of Timaeus. Well, that's Bartimaeus. (laughs) It's a position, a function, a space, not yet really connecting, even though named and thank God that he is named. But even though named he is still not valued so here comes jesus with his appreciative inquiry what would you have for me to do what a wonderful way of valuing the humanity of bartimaeus not starting with what jesus believes he could do for bartimaeus but what bartimaeus himself Wanted to happen. Remember, he was on the side of the road. Sitting there begging as a cloak, sightless. And he had been spending, he'd heard that Jesus was coming by. And he asked, his ask was not really tremendous. It was the ask that any of us would ask if we knew Jesus was passing by. Lord, have mercy on me. And you know how we are. He is the other, the outsider, the beggar, the sightless man, on the side of the road, not a part of our crowd, not a part of our community. And so what do we do? We tell him to be quiet. Shh. How often do we want our life in Jesus to just be quiet. When there are people who are having struggles so urgent upon them, you think that stopped Bartimaeus? They said, be quiet. He said it louder. Hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. Call him over here. What? can I do for you? And then Bartimaeus starts mapping his assets. (laughs) He says, Lord, I want to see again. His statement gives us some clarity about his past. We can infer from what Bartimaeus says to Jesus is that he was not always sightless, but that he may have had an opportunity or may have been sighted before and he lost his sight. Let me see again. There's a harbor for homeless men on the Lower East Side in Manhattan. It traces its roots back to 1878 and it goes on strong even today. I know someone is saying here, wow, what a marvelous, continuous mission to help homeless men and shelter them I'm asking a different question. You mean in 140 years, we have not found an adequate solution for addressing the housing and the mental health issues of men and women and children in New York? There was, I was preaching there once, and there was a man who sat quietly over in the corner. He was un- of unusual height. He was much taller than many of the people there and I had seen him a few times. And I asked the person, I made a comment about his height. And the person turned to me and said, you, you mean you don't know who he is? I said, no, well, he's a professional a former professional basketball player in this town. And he had an incredible bout with, and continuing bout with with mental illness. And so he comes here every day at noon for peace. I knew nothing about his basketball career. I met him where he was in that moment. And there are so many people who have been in trouble in a moment. And we meet there in the trouble, not knowing what their life before that may have been. Rabbi, teacher, help me to see again. Well, you know the end of the story. Mark likes this word immediately. And immediately he gets his sight after Jesus tells him, that his faith has made him, has given him, his, granted him his wish. But our job is to not be comfortable in this one-time story, to find a way to answer what Christ has called us to do, call them here to me We have confused that in our world. We have thought for generations that that meant call them to church. But it is sad to say now that in so many spaces and places which are called church, that not even Christ is welcome. But here is our hope. I take hope in this that it that was Bartimaeus by name is now in the canon. You know his name. You know his plight. And we should not rest until we find ways for all the unknown, unnamed persons who are experiencing life's trouble on the side of the road, who simply want someone to give for Christ to have mercy upon them. We should not rest until we get them not here to us, but here to Christ. We should not rest until we learn all of those names and the persons and those stories. We should not rest. Our job is not done until we can rehearse the names of the 11 people who lost their life needlessly on yesterday. And all of the other people who are considered John and Jane Doe in the history of grace, call them here to me. And when we call them to Christ, all we have to do is get out of the way it may not all work out immediately, but our souls should not rest until we have positioned them for the promise that Christ gives to all. May it be so. Amen.